Broadcasting live from Timbuktu to outer space, this is Comedy for the Blind. Welcome to Movie Talk. Today's movie is Black Panther. Um, so, Nate, what do you think? I enjoyed it. I um, thought it was another good superhero movie. I don't know that it was like notably better than all the other superhero movies that I enjoyed. Uh, there were... I really did like this... What's the country, the city, country called the hideaway in? There's a W and an A. There's a few A's. It's, um... I think it's Wakanda. Yeah, I thought, I thought that was cool. It was different enough from the other, um, superhero movies that I enjoyed it, but, you know. Yeah. Obviously, the big takeaway is the representation. And I think whenever you say, like, oh, but if we remove that factor from it, if it was just another movie, what are we really talking about here? And I think that's fine. Like, Wonder Woman and Black Panther should be the movies, superhero movies at this point that we care about because it is, like, everything it's doing for society is great. And everything that it tried to introduce about, like, Africanism versus American Africanism and stuff like that was super interesting. And Michael B. Jordan was great. Uh, It's good given its category, but... Whenever the culture starts talking about a movie that much, it's like, okay, if you like movies, I can recommend like 20 others that are (laughs) really good too and different from what you've seen in more than just a way of who's playing the role. Yeah, totally. So, Nate, what was your favorite part of Black Panther? Might I think for a moment? The first thing that pops in my mind, favorite part you mean like something that happens? Just favorite thing in it. I um, I loved his sister and her little sciencey stuff she's doing back there. That she's like way more advanced than all of humanity, really. In her little lab back there, got kicked out of her when she was on screen. Comedy for the Blind is brought to you by Watching Paint Dry. Getting a bad rap for 50 years, and my god, the fumes! Welcome back to Doom to Repeat, a wildly unpopular history podcast about philosophers. I'm joined today by my guest. Pleasure to be here. So let's just dig in. Uh, Today we're going to discuss Voltaire the great French thinker from the Enlightenment, famous for, uh, amongst other things, being good at French thinking. So uh, what, what, quote, what Voltaire quote did you bring in today? Uh, something that he said in 1656 okay. uh, in Paris on November 3rd okay. at 1.19 p.m. Wait, I'm sorry, when? 1.19 p.m. French Standard Time. Okay. La dute n'est pas un état bien agréable, mais la assurance est un état ridicule. 
Is this um, is this one of Voltaire's quotes that is translatable into English? Absolutely. I'll start with that. That's absolutely. Okay. Uh, so what Voltaire said is, doubt is not a pleasant condition, but certainty is an absurd one. Very good. Okay, so and it's it's your position that this sentiment is applicable now and perhaps more timely than ever in a modern age of infinite information. Is yeah, that right. Yeah, one hundred percent. I think Voltaire was he was right on a lot of things, and this for sure ranks right up there with freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom to be white. Mm. I know these aren't exactly hot takes now, but. You have to remember that back then, no one was very bright. Right, for sure. It's it's history's most glaring weakness. Yeah, 100%. Okay, so um, I do want to shift to look at this in a modern context. I want to shift this to 2019 and discuss Donald Trump, um, a man who wandered into a land without truth and became our liar king. No doubt. So do you see any parallels uh, between his fake news catchphrase and what Voltaire was philosophying about? Hundred percent, yeah. Voltaire was cautioning against absolutism, right, and and begging people to just like let's just chill on all the certainty stuff. Everybody, like it's sixteen fifty. We're for sure gonna find out that humans evolved from apes in like two hundred years, and that's definitely going to make all of this shit look stupid. Right, without a doubt. And and who really knows anything? Yeah, hundred percent. Now, okay, so. Personally speaking, I've never been on board with the idea of one objective reality, right? Mm -hmm. But I also can't shake the idea that I, I, I also can't pretend that certain things like facts are incontrovertible, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I know what you mean. And I think philosophy does shrivel up under the microscope uh, along with the other soft sciences. But Voltaire wants the people of 1650, you know, without question to just to question everything uh, and he doesn't have time to split hairs with these critics who are going to be like, oh, yeah, Voltaire, well, what's what's two plus two equal? Right. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Right. OK. Um, but just so we're in 100 percent agreement, because that's how we like it here. You think two plus two is four, correct? Like it equals it? It equals four. If yeah, two twos equals a four. Oh, man, I, I hate to be this guy. I do. But, um, <laughs> you know. It, I, it might be. It, de it definitely might be. Okay, right. Yeah, right. All I'm saying is it might be 100%. For sure, for sure. But it, it yeah, 100% might not be for two sure. plus. It doesn't, I mean, maybe maybe there's an, a, a wider universe where two, we don't even understand what two is. We don't understand what two, the other two is either. Okay, that's We certainly big. don't get what four is. Well, and, and don't even get me started on three. But, um... I guess let me phrase it this way. Mm -hmm. We agree that it's uh, 100% mm -hmm. 2 plus 2 might be 4. 100% that it is probably, or it might be 4. I don't want to just run around town shirtless quoting Voltaire all day, but as he once said, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, well, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Wait, how much? Oh, I said 100%. Right, right. Yeah, 100%. Not 99 no, no, a hundred, a hundred percent. Okay, good. Full hundred. Wait, not a hundred and one. A hundred and one percent? No, it's it's just a flat hundred. Okay. One zero zero. So. Okay. Hundred percent. Yeah. Not a thousand percent. No, no. Well, hmm. Okay. 
You know what? Actually, no. I it, it is a thousand. You're right. It's a thousand percent. Yeah. I so one thousand percent. Yeah. Really? Are you sure? One hundred percent. Yeah. It's a thousand percent. Cool. I'm glad you're positive. Anyway, I want to thank my guest today for the incredibly unlikable lesson on language. Um, I'm sorry. What was your name again? Um, Jeff Hyperbole. This episode of Comedy for the Blind is brought to you by avoiding difficult conversations with the people you are closest to. One of these days, we're all going to snap. When they emerge from underwater, bringing driftwood to the shore, collecting more and more materials, and setting them up as part of a structure, she finds herself nibbling against all odds to free just one branch. It's difficult work, but essential to make the structure hold. It doesn't start to take shape right away, but as you find yourself stopping the water, it's, it's a dam. There's always something to interact with out in the wild. The elusive Cameron Diaz emerges from her hidey hole, measuring 1.74 meters from tip to tail. She's always been a curious one, always climbing rocks, foraging, all part of the process of an actress. Typically a solitary figure. You can find yourself harassed by insects or bats. It's important to know how to combat the bats. not all work for Miss Diaz. There's plenty of mischief to get into. Interesting holes to stick the snout in. Sometimes you find yourself playing with a leaf. Finding her next meal is never easy. There's always competition. Will Netflix come calling? Why wasn't she in Bird Box? Is it because Annie was a flop? Diaz has been trained to keep head on a swivel and one eye on the sky. For she never knows when Bullock will strike.
crafty as all get out. Bullock has a wingspan eight feet across. And if you get caught in those talons, there's no telling where you'll end up. As far as the rest of the jungle knows, these two are apex predators with a friendly, begrudging alliance. But tension rises. Day's work. The actress's life is never easy. But it is awesome. This episode of Comedy for the Blind is brought to you by the letter D, as in W. Thanks to you, D, we get twice the U's. Domino's, what can I do for you? I'd like to return my pizza. <sighs> hey, Gus. This, this Gus, isn't... I know it's you. Hi. Gus, We've talked about this carry-out insurance policy, and you understand that there has to be, like, a legitimate reason. I had an accident with my pizza, and therefore I'd like to exchange it for a brand new pizza. Okay. Why don't you just tell me what happened, Gus? Well, I'm sorry if I sound emotional. It was a harrowing experience. Yeah. Basically, after receiving my delivery. There you go. you got a big problem. It's carry-out insurance, so why would you even... In that case, after I got home with my pizza okay. that I picked up from carryout. We'll pretend that you got carryout. Okay. Going. After receiving my carryout from the delivery man, I was walking from my door to my beanbag, a walk I've done thousands of times, when a gust of wind crashed through my den. It strengthened in my hallway. It swept into the kitchen, knocking me off my feet, and eventually picked up my pizza and carried it away. Okay. So the wind stole your pizza? That's correct. How does that possibly work physically? Well, if I had to guess, it was a weather anomaly. I, right. The thing about climate change right. is all sorts of things are happening that have not happened before. Okay. Denying it is not the right side I'm of history. I'm not denying it. Or perhaps Gus, there's I'm, some okay. sort of supervillain who has figured out a way Gus, to control... all bullshit. I'm sorry, you cut off there for a moment. Whatever, Gus. I will just buy you a new pizza. Okay. What was on the pizza? Do you want me to do it alphabetically? No, that's all right. Just Cheese, pepperoni, turkey leg, fennel, ham, hot dogs, walnuts, Skittles. Gus... We only have, like, one of those. Well, your limited topping menu forces me to supplement, okay? Sure. May I continue? Yeah, knock yourself out. Fritters, Arby's, ham. That was, a, again, this, I wasn't being redundant. That was just the second order of ham. Mm -hmm. Clams, fish sticks. All right, 
So a couple peppers, spinach, and cheese. Sounds good, Gus. Okay, thank you. This episode of Comedy for the Blind is brought to you by the term jungle fever. That hung around way, way too long. My name is Isaac Brownstone. I'm a writer. My books, The Anomaly Doctrine and Rebel to No Effect, were on the New York Times bestseller list for a sum total of 57 weeks. That's a year and five weeks. I bring it up because this success, this gift of mine, surprised everyone. Family, friends, randos on the street. It was though the entire world had a meeting while I was asleep and unanimously decided that my ideas weren't worth a goddamn. And the worst part? I listened to them. There are a lot of people like me. People who dream in a different color. Who try things and fail and get back on the horse. People who look at a kitchen upside down and say, hey, maybe we should make a refrigerator where the freezer's on the bottom. This podcast is about these people. Innovators. Pioneers. Black sheep. They're all around us, capsizing the status quo, like a fox who's shed its straitjacket. Conventional wisdom, you've been forewarned. This is Morons. Meet Aaron Pink. He's a director. And what, what do we got? So what's all this stuff? What, what am I looking at here? This is, this is the control center. I mean, this is where I do all my editing. Um, so you have a desktop computer. Right. Uh, you have a second monitor over here. Mm-hmm. You've got the keyboard. Mm-hmm. And then you got the mouse. Mm-hmm. And underneath that, mouse pad. Okay. Uh, helps to navigate the mouse quicker. And so Aaron... On the desktop you, computer. You edit... You edit everything yourself, that's right? Yeah, no, that's, that's non-negotiable. Um, I don't let anyone touch my stuff. Uh, I've got to take it across, you know, the finish line, as it were. Aaron's being funny. You see, I wasn't totally honest with you before. Yes, he's a filmmaker. Yes, he's a genius. But brace yourselves for this curveball. What he makes are adult videos. Aaron, I don't know if you know this, but this is kind of a thrill for me. Hmm. I'm a big fan of yours. Oh, yeah? You like porn? Smut. Filth. The Devil's Matinee. Call it what you want, but do it on your own podcast, Johnny. Aaron and I are adults, so we call it porn. Wow. Wow, That's amazing to see. So, How how long does that take you, a process like that? Standard 30 to 40 minute is going to take me about a month. You know, head down, just getting at it every day. Getting at it. So mm. okay. So do you? So I assume you masturbate while you edit. I do jerk it usually, just to see what the experience is like. Make sure it's hitting all the notes that that everyone's looking for, um, and make sure the pleasure centers are getting hit the right way. You know. Did you stop doing? That? I mean, so is, is this something you still do? No, I had to stop. Why, it why just did you stop? oh, Ooh. feet to the fire about a year ago. Yes. I know when he stopped. April 28th, 2017. The day he posted cute teen big tits likes cock on ujiz.com. The day he turned the porn world on its axis. Can you talk about cute teen big tits likes cock and where that idea came about? Well, I don't know what you know about the porn making process, but 
once the actors get going, it's out of my hands. I mean, there's a lot of ad-libbing, there's a lot of ad-fucking, a lot of ad-blows. And so you just let these, these porn stars improvise? Well, I can tell her to cry more or tell the guy to, you know, flip her over. But at a certain point, the animals are running the zoo, you know? I understood what Aaron meant, but I had to see it for myself. He had a shoot later that day and invited me along. I'll never forget the smell. This is Isaac. Nice to be helping out today. Just ignore him, you know, like he's not even here, really. So I guess just keep an eye on Tate continuity. Who's? Both. Um, all right, everybody ready. We got boom up. You know where you can be. Camera, you know where to stay. Question. Uh, so does it go 100, 200, 500, or do I start, or do I offer 50 to start? I say feel it out, you know? Does the head look a little heavier than it should compared to the shaft? This is all about you, okay? Don't worry about your dick. It's all about you up here. Before you let yourself in, let the audience in. Don't get nervous, just be yourself, all right? Okay. Okay, camera speed, we all good, babe? Sound speed? Yeah, Sound babe. speed! And action. Did you catch that? Aaron's instructions to Sean? Perhaps I should explain. Most heterosexual pornography follows a certain formula. Guy and girl, or guy and two girls, or it's a girl and two guys, or an evenly distributed orgy. Look, the combinations are infinite but how you shoot it is not. As a rule of thumb, you focus on the girl. Get her reacting to the sex. Is it good sex? Does she enjoy it? Does she want more of it? This formula makes sense. The audience for straight porn is something like 90% male. On average, women masturbate less and when they do, they watch lesbian videos or without the aid of pornography at all. So how does one please the male gaze? Show the girl. And that worked. Until Aaron Pink. So when I shot Cute Teen Big Tits, uh, I had done 75 pornos, probably? 77. 77, there you go. And I was getting a little jaded, you know? Same hole, different day. So we were ready to shoot, and the actors were all charged up and pretty horny. Um, and I looked at my DP, that's, yeah, director of photography in this case. Okay. Um, but I said, stay on Peter as much as you can, or can stomach, really. Right. Ended up being a 25-minute fuck fest where I think I showed the girl for, oof, five minutes, I think? 5.22. Yeah, yeah. and that might have been too much. Yeah. Well, most of it's in Act 1, well before Peter stops by to visit her dad and, and talk about the construction business that they have. Right, right. So I did feel like we still need to develop that character and know why she's there to suck off Peter mm -hmm. um, and what the main motivation is for that suck job. Sure. And then it's a full Peter story, mm -hmm. you know? All we're gonna do is show every grimace, every moan, every toe curl. Well, you're showing both the, the ugly reality and the beauty of sex, but mostly the former. Mostly. What did you think when you wrapped that day? You're driving home after work? You're thinking to yourself, what? Yeah, no, it was pretty surreal. Um, I just thought, Aaron, what did you just do? Sound familiar? Aaron had an idea, one outside the mainstream, one that would earn him derision from a chorus of naysayers who couldn't fathom a reality outside of traditional thinking. 
He shot and edited three more films just like Cute Teen Big Tits, each one a carefully spun profile in masculine pleasure. I knew what was being said about me. Uh, the names people were calling me, Steven Queerberg and Steven Spieltwink. I heard them all. Desperate for money and high off his own ambition, Aaron started telling studios he'd direct their porn for free. I spoke with Hogan Fife, co-head of Bang Bros Entertainment. The dude was absolutely nuts, bro. Like, all right. So I've seen act this in this industry once in a while. You'll be lucky enough to find an actress who works for free because you know, like, she loves sucking dick, and it's like that's you know that's great. But a director who works for free, unless he's just some you know fat perv who doesn't know what he's doing, like that's completely unprecedented. Like we weren't gonna pay him. Brazzers wasn't going to pay him. Fuckbus certainly wasn't going to pay him. Well, and it, it, it seemed like everyone's resistance only made him push the envelope further. Yeah. yeah artistically 100%. speaking. Well, I don't know about artistic. I saw one of his cuts recently, and it was this gangbang. You know, if you can't shoot a gangbang as a porn director, like, what are you fucking doing, bro? Like, that, that is the easiest. There's just, there's dicks everywhere. There's a couple, there's some tits and this everything. Is, this is the, the POV one, uh, Papa Pia, it's called. Yeah, so anyway, uh, it's hard to fuck up, but Aaron, Aaron found a way. He decides that it's going to be from the perspective of all these girls. So these girls are just passing around the camera, looking up at this one dude. I felt so bad for this actor. This guy's on camera for 45 minutes fucking all these girls. And the, the viewers don't even think that's what he's doing because all you see is this guy's face like grunting and groaning and I don't even know if he came. No, he did. I, I've seen it. Okay. Well, that's good. How do you think women react to his work? Is they hate it. Yeah, they hate it. They hate it too. Of course they do. Yeah, they literally hate it. No, I get it. And Aaron just, he keeps saying he's like some feminist who, you know, takes the viewer and puts him in the shoes of the, the woman in the video or some shit. I don't know. And, he, and like he's trying to upend the misogyny industrial complex. Like he says that shit with a straight face. But don't, don't you, isn't that a good thing maybe that, uh, I mean, the way that women are treated in this industry is, is horrific, especially for a country as developed as this. And don't you think there's a part of Aaron's approach that is progressive and, and feminist? I don't know, maybe, but uh, feminism never got a dick hard. And that's something that we say a lot around the office. I can imagine. Um, and all he's doing is just shooting these guys. And, you know, it's like, bro, you are not a feminist. You're just gay. Admit it. That's what you've all been thinking, isn't it? Aaron is definitely a homosexual. I know I did when I first interviewed him at his house in Sherman Oaks. Until his wife walked in. I'm so sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, this, this is fine. We're almost done. Going in the pool? I don't know. What do you think? Hey, you deserve it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think I deserve it. You do. You always do, baby. Mm. Mm. It's nice to meet you, Mrs. Pink. Really is fine. Huh? Wow, she's a wonderful woman. Yeah, real peach. Yeah. Oh. oh, hey, Ray. What? There should be new noodles in the pool house. New what? New noodles. You should have seen the old ones. They were just basically dog toys, glorified. So I said treat myself, you know? Aaron, I have about 10 questions left. Okay. But nine of them had to do with you being gay. Yeah, it makes sense. 
I asked myself those same questions for a little while. Was that hard for you and Raylene? At first, yeah. Um, she'd asked to see what I was working on, and it was suspicious. What did you guys do? Well, it was her idea to start watching gay porn together. Um, I didn't really like it because it was a lot of butts and penetration, and that was it. No humanity, just insertion, anus, done. I'm familiar. Um, then I joined Grinder, Which um, is a cooking site. No, it's for gay dates. Oh. And I went on a few dates. Uh, it wasn't my thing. This is fa- I really admire these steps that you took. Did, mm. If you don't mind me asking, were these dates physical at any point? Sure. Uh, one of the gentlemen kissed me. Mm-hmm. And I, I kissed him back. It was exciting, you know? It was something new. I like to try new things. But this, nothing in the, in the boner department. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. I do. Okay. The only thing I did feel... Uh, and I'm ashamed to say this, uh, is relief. Please, go on. Well, it's fucked up, isn't it? To wonder if you're a homosexual and then be glad you're not. Right. I believe sexuality is fluid, okay? And here I am not sleeping at night because I'm worried about being gay. And now I'm worried about worrying about being gay. It's just, where does it stop? I'm sure none of this is why you signed up to direct porn. No. All I wanted to do was help men masturbate. I left Aaron's house shortly after. We said goodbye and shared a very tentative hug, neither sure about the other's sexual orientation. I started to question my own homophobia. You know, I've never had a gay friend. I was pretty sure Aaron was going to be my first. But I guess he's just emotionally gay only. I I don't know. I can't make sense of any of this. Maybe Aaron is just an idiot. Or even better, a moron. This has been another episode of Comedy for the Blind by Cook Street Productions. What'd you think? Be honest. No, you're just saying that. No, would you really think? <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh. We think you're cute too. What are you doing later? No, I have a I have a girlfriend.